And welcome in to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. And as we said in the previous week, hitting up on a Monday night, the 11th of September, I'm your host Ben, joined as always by Christopher Keane. How are you? Very well, mate. Good evening. A little Monday night time slot here, ladies and gents. It'll be a a constant thing going forward, which is nice. But I'll tell you what, we're also back in a big way because we have a delicious new segment for you as well at the back end of this pod. Stay tuned, listeners. Hod, are you excited to uh, just reveal that at the end? It will be an absolute segment and a half. And let's just hope that the audience right around the world do not have to listen to it in about an hour and 54 minutes like the first episode. Boy, were we excited, boys. Excited is an understatement. Um, I think we've probably lost our juice from last week, so it uh, might not be worth the squeeze as much as last week's episode was. So we'll, uh, we'll try and get through this one as uh, hastily as possible. But let's kick it off with some news. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us, and I don't like it. And uh, I don't like to toot my own horn, but beep, beep. Talk about some league news here. We just said, how long could a second rounder last on Jim's uh, list there? And I think all three of us said, probably not going to see out the week. And I don't think it even saw out the next day at the rate that that went, where uh, old Jakey boy just went hunting and he was circling the waters of uh, the Jim City Stallions and went and traded in that second round pick and he gave up Tyler Lockett. What do we, uh, what's an initial thought on that? Do you think that's fair value for a second rounder or do you think that, um, that Jake's just looking a little bit further ahead? Um, that was a point to you, Katie. We're, uh, we're off to a good one here. Um, I, 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 I'll jump in here and thought it was um, a great trade. Uh, I was interested to sort of wonder where Jake was at because Lockett is a very valuable asset for someone up the pointier end of the of the infamous power rankings, shall we call it? Mm. But um, no, I thought I, I absolutely thought it was fair. Um, could be a middle round second pick, a, a middle second round pick. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was pretty fair and, and a good trade for both. Yeah, I think, and you you touched on this, Ben. The the intriguing part was that we did have a pretty lengthy pod last week, but we had a lot to get through and. I think you put it up at about 11.30 at night and no joke, it's either Jim or Jake or both have listened to it through midnight till 2am and struck a deal the next morning. <laughs> How did they get through the pod and then trade by 8am the next morning? It was quite phenomenal. Just clearly uh, nothing better to do with their time than listen to our pod early hours that morning. Um, yeah, he's, I think He's um, 30 locket. Yeah, so, I was going to say yeah. one thing that Jake's proven is that he does like to do these mini rebuilds. Uh, looks like he's selling at a particular time, but he clearly values his uh, his thoughts on these younger players and tries to sort of sell the older players and likes to turn over his list. So maybe um, maybe the DFF could take some notes from old Champ Champ. Oh. What do you reckon, boys? Yeah. Every chance. Oh. Um, it, believe it or not, NFL kicked off today, so <laughs> we actually had some games to watch and uh, we've... Many more games to watch come a lot of fucking injuries. So, uh, Keeney, we'll start with your one. J.K. Dobbins, that was a roller coaster of looked like um, it was going to be something bad, like an ankle. Uh, no, it was looking sort of like something, a, knee, a knee or something quite serious. And then it got downgraded to an ankle. And then next thing you know, it got 
uh, revealed that it was an Achilles. So how are you feeling? You would have had pretty high hopes after he came back from the knee injury last year, looked slow but had you know, some pretty nice plays and there was a lot of hype this year for him. Yeah, it's uh, it was welcome back to fantasy this morning, no doubt about it. I mean, this is... This is why we play the games, boys. It's the the ups and downs of the of fantasy. It's at its finest here. Um, yeah, look, disappointing. Um, it, yeah, it looked it, as as you said, it looked sort of like his knee, but um, obviously he walked off, so I didn't think it was that bad. But then, yeah, the Achilles has got another one. Um, you're right; he was looking good, like he had ninety percent of their rushes, um, had a few of their targets as well. So I was doing a little bit of both. Um, scored a touchdown, almost got in for a second. Um, the, the, probably the most disappointing thing is he's 24 and just the history of Achilles for running backs is horrendous. Like they just, you almost write them off. So, you know, whether, whether I'm going to get much out of him for the rest of his career is really, yeah, to be seen, but I'm not holding great hopes to be honest. Yeah. It's, these are shattering, uh, for someone with such a, um, such high hopes coming out of the draft and in a perfect situation in that offense and then has this second serious injury. This is exactly why the running backs hold out. And Dobbins was in this mix of run. Mm. I think he was holding in, they call it. He um, vented his frustration, but he showed up exactly what the teams want them to do. And then this happens. And this is exactly why you have the JTs of the world who might be faking an injury for all we know. Um, because they don't want to risk these serious injuries for this next contract. It's it's just a sad situation for running backs. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And it reminds me a bit of um, when Dak Prescott did it, and he sort of held in that year, and then twisted his ankle and broke his ankle, mm. went sideways, and it was you know everyone was saying, oh, you know how unlucky that was because he was sort of holding out for a contract, and it was his final year, and then he never played again for the rest of the year. Obviously, that worked out all right for him. But running backs is a different beast, I agree. Um, and and maybe Baltimore sign him on a really friendly deal now, um, just to keep him in. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, let's let's, so. let's, uh, let's move on to a few others. But yeah, that's uh, that's no good for him. Well, in a turn of events, didn't Justice Hill come in and uh, and get two goal line touchdowns and actually look okay with the limited work? And he missed with an Achilles like three four years ago. So mm. you got about three four years to wait, mate. I don't know how it's possible that. Baltimore running back scored so much this week when Lamar Jackson was a shoe in for over one and a half touchdowns. But anyway, <laughs> you got to check your sources at times. But oh. Deontay Johnson, boys, um, this one, this didn't look good. No, he uh, he sort of went down. It was almost non-contact, really. He sort of cut in after a play and then went down, clutching his hamstring there. So I haven't seen the final reports, but it it didn't look like it was going to be too positive. What the only positive thing can obviously be for the George Pickens fantasy owners of the world, uh, and that is the last time I will be calling him G Pick because he did not like that nickname. It's fair to say he showed up for a couple of catches, not not the uh, preseason form, and last year George Pickens we came to know and love. And G-pick. when I said we, we meant me. Yes, uh, Aaron Jones hamstring. I didn't see this. Was this a, a minor? One Keeney. Yeah, he he's he did it when he scored. So he scored a breakaway touchdown uh, third quarter, I think it was, and sort of reached for his hammy as he crossed the goal, as he crossed the uh, end the end zone. So not sure of the severity, but it didn't. You know, looked like a standard hammy without knowing too much about it. Um, the big one was obviously uh, the first game of the season. 
Travis Kelsey. Uh, that is a bone bruise, so no significant risk. Once he's back, he's back. It's a, usually about a two-week injury, um, and I might touch on his situation a little bit later as well, boys. But another premium tight end, Mark Andrews, uh, the quad. That's never one that you want. No, and it was for the greatest position in world sport, Hod. It was a brutal week, wasn't it? Like, I think Kittle was questionable. You know, Waller was questionable. They both played, didn't do a whole lot. Um, it just was a shocking week for, t- for tight ends. Oh, I actually forgot Waller was under an injury cloud. That makes sense. He looked very ginger today. He, he, he didn't look fast. Um, it might have been the weather and the conditions, but yeah, um, he didn't look too fresh at all. And the last one here, notable, uh, Christian Watson. You wouldn't have known that he wasn't out there by the way that the pack showed up, and in particular Jordan Love. But um, it's it's always concerning these hamstrings and soft tissue injuries early in the season. It's uh, one that you don't want to re-injure, and he's such an athlete that um, he's uh, prone to re-injure. I think it's about 20%. Um, re-injure off a grade one. So there we have it, boys. Injuries, never fun. As you said, Keeney, it sucks. You get those stupid sleeper sounds and you just half expect it to be something bad. But uh, I just, hopefully we get through unscathed. The only positive out of this is we got Dr. Hodback, Keeney. How are some it. of those stats there? The 20% off a grade one re-injury risk. I mean, this is the sort of shit that people tune in for. They definitely don't tune in for the absolute pointless banter and... Uh, and other bullshit that we peddle on this. We, it's, we're all about stats here. Well, yeah, a recent promotion at work to get me out of the hospitals is because I just talked fantasy to the doctors. This is where I get the, the absolute uh, premium information from. And uh, But I can't get it anymore, boys. It's a bit sad. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you can't get any more, Hod. Um, you know, we all go through <laughs> these patches every now and then. Eliminator Pool is the uh, is the last bit of news here, but not not a very creative Eliminator Pool in week one. Ooh. Ten people picking uh, the sensible haircuts to have a sensible win over the executioners and two people picking Tim Oz to beat Papa. I reckon we're going to see a pretty common theme here uh, for the first sort of month at least of this season. But I tell you... The 10 people that picked Manny to beat Scoot, just don't forget who you're opposing there. Scooter is the eliminator. It was high risk for mine, and I was happy to be on the Tim, Tim Osby Papa side. I was cheering bloody David Montgomery home. We were, uh, oh. we were having some excited exchanges of texts about, ooh, Mark Andrews is out here. Scoot's got him. We're excited. No we're excited about a potential week two grand final eliminator between Keeney and I. Would be the fastest eliminator ever. And it's not like this has been going for a long time. But uh, I forgot about that narrative. Scoot the executioner just being the eliminator. And I've I bought into it without remembering. So uh shame on me. Indeed. Alright, let's get to some reviews. Let's move forward amicably. First of all, you're throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now because I don't understand them, I'm gonna take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. And we'll, uh, we'll start off with a game that has everyone on the edge of their seat, and that's the Sensible Haircuts taking on the Bayside Executioners. And right now, as it currently sits, and the beauty of doing a pod every Monday is that there are games in the balance, and uh, this one is very much still in the balance, I suppose, uh, in the form of 99% to 1%. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance. So Sensible Haircuts are up by 40 with Roger still to go, and the Executioners... Uh, Scoot! Scoot, no! Just with Garrett Wilson and James Cook 
uh, still to play there. So, some uh, reviews or some things to some talking points is how fun, boys, is Tyreek Hill. He had a 39-point game, 215 yards, two tutties. Uh, and is he closing that gap between Jefferson as the dynasty number one wide receiver? What are our thoughts? Oh, uh, from a fun point of view, absolutely. He is by far the most fun player to watch in the league, and that Miami offense is so fun to watch. Uh, as for dynasty, obviously the age is a huge gap. I think Hill's approaching 28, 29. Um, and then obviously he had that whispers of early retirement when he got to 30, which I think's after next season when his contract's up in Miami. I don't think the gap is uh, ever going to close to the Jeffersons and Chases of the world, but he is uh, by far one of the best wide receiver assets they have in the next two years. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my question would be, is is Justin Jefferson uh, making the gap wider between him and Chase? I think it's long been Jefferson and Chase at the top, pretty close, pretty even. Is Jefferson pulling away at the moment? as sort of the 1A to, to Chase's 1B. He is, like I think he had 120 yards at half time in this game, didn't score, but um, he was just everywhere and um, unstoppable. It's, um, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem to bother him or Minnesota when, when they just have him. Like we, I know Jordan Addison's there and who knows, that might be an upgrade over what Thielen was last year, but he has had Thielen to start his career to take some heat away, but it just doesn't matter with him. He he is forever open. What He had another 15 targets today. Um, unlucky to have a score in that many targets, but yeah, there, I, I think there is... It's He's, he's on um, an island on his own at number one. Uh, Chase had a bit of a stinker, didn't he? But I suppose the whole Bengals offense did. They sure mm. did. Um, I don't know if you saw Jefferson as well. He was absolutely filthy at the end of that game. So he had 150 yards total, but I think he had 138 in the first half mm. at 12 yards in the second half. So he was just absolutely filthy. I don't know how you don't find a bloke who's in red-hot form more in the second half, especially when it's a three-point game in the end that they lose by to, I guess, a team that you don't anticipate to be absolute world beaters um, this season, but we'll we'll see. So the next talking point, I think, is uh, we'll move over to Scoot's QBs here. How Sam Howe probably did enough. Um, you know, he got a bit of good value there, I think, as the commander's QB, and he looked okay. He had some moments where, you know, he had some fumbles and an interception there. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, that was probably the, the worrying point here. He's been given the keys to that Atlanta offense. He's got... Absolute weapons, um, but yeah, just pulling out an eight point four this week. Yeah, he was the. Um, I think yeah, Hal Hal looked okay. Ritter was the main talking point, and, and not just Ritter on his own as well. I think you know, ironically or or conveniently, in this matchup, uh, Manny has Drake London, who's a big talking point out of this matchup as well. And just can Ritter actually service you know Drake London and Pitts together like? He's just, he's not a great QB, I don't think. Um, and early days, we'll see how we go. But you'd be really concerned if you had London or Pitts about how much how much target share they're going to get. Yeah, and, and that's, whether it's the player or not, it's the system. They are the heaviest run team in the league and it's already clear, um, even integrating all the gear, 
uh, mm. into the into how much work he got as well as Bijan. So it is going to be slim pickings, I think, for both London and Pitts. Uh, they might still go off, but um, it's a small pie. And I know last week we discussed that uh, Taylor Heineke could be jumping in the starting blocks in about week six, but maybe with a start like this from Ritter, it could be even earlier, maybe week three or four. It's not like the Falcons invested heavily in someone like Ritter. So I, I reckon... They're surely going to listen more to someone like London or Pitts who might be uh, just be the squeaky wheel in that offense and, and asking to get someone like Heineke in. What do you reckon, Hod? The Falcons are really interesting because I, I think they're a sneaky for that division. Uh, they're right in the mix there and they're, they're one really good quarterback away from this team being really good. And it's just going to be hard to know where they're at all year. Do they stick with Ritter if they keep winning? If they start losing, how much do they tank for a top quarterback? It's it's going to be very interesting to see how they play this. But I think they're in a great position from next year onwards. Mm. Well, and the thing with Heineke, Ben, like you mentioned him as um, a potential a potential backup, like it 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 wouldn't surprise just because it's Jake. And, and the <laughs> fantasy gods and the kissed on the dick man. It just would it shock you the guy needs a QB three, gets by for the first four weeks, and then lo and behold, Taylor Heineke's named the starter. Jake sits back and goes, "How good's this?" Yep. No, you're right. It's uh, it's all playing out just the way that uh, he wants it to go. But what about this for Geno Smith? What do you reckon? Is he a flash in the pan? Um, Obviously, he had his best season ever at 31 years old. It was an absolute outlier of something to do, even though he was a first-round QB. Uh, But then it's the season opener, so you can make up whatever buddy narrative you want after week one. But, yeah, just the nine points, had 16 completions, only 112 yards, and one touchdown, one carry for six yards. Not a very impressive stat line, Hod. He is the... One of the sleeper quarterbacks of the offseason. I think adding JSN to the mix with already having Metcalf and Lockett and then the two really good running backs, like that that offense should be right up there. So I think Geno Smith uh, is a popular name within quarterback ranks. I think um, most people think this wasn't a one-hit wonder last year and he will carry some fantasy teams forward. Um, I'm sure Manny hopes so, but... I think this one is just a little blip on the schedule and they'll look, they'll look back at this later in the year and go, that was just one of those funny week one games that doesn't go our way against a divisional opponent. Yeah, there's usually one or two of those in week one every year, isn't there, Keeney? I know you, uh, as a stats yes. man, like to keep an eye on that. No, I think so. It's a, always a tough week to win no matter how good you are and no matter sort of who you're playing, I reckon. So motivations are high. Both teams are pretty healthy. So a lot of weird results week one. Absolutely. This one wasn't a weird result. We've got the uh, Team Tim 84 or the Straight Cash Homies, if you will, taking on the Pappas Punishers. Two of our league members here, two very intelligent league members just picking them in the Eliminator Pool to take this one out. And they currently sit at 99%, which uh, as that stands is the Homies up 15 points with Lazard and the Conk to go against 0.0 on the Punisher's side. He's got absolutely nothing left in the tank with, I think, what will be a typical 86 that we'll see from the Punishers. I think the sub-100 score is going to be pretty common from that squad this season. Keeney? Well, you did say that this wasn't an upset, but 
the league voted and the league put Timos at 12. So I could argue that maybe this is an upset because obviously the league thought he was no good. I Two smart men on this podcast picked him in the eliminator, so probably thought otherwise. But has he responded or what? The most winningest franchise in EDL history, 12 seed and said, watch this, I'll put up a 120. Well, in the words of uh, your absolute mentor, Keeney, well, one swallow doesn't make a summer, mate. It's one game. Don't get too excited here. He's played arguably the equal worst team in the league. He looked impressive against them. He's pulled out 109 so far, could go as high as a 120. This might just be his his uh, grand final in week one. Uh, well, there's no doubt it's got more froth than Theranos, but... <laughs> We, we mentioned it last week that he just have as a few too many weapons for him to be full-blown tank mode. He's just got too many good players that can score. And I think no one epitomizes that more than, at the minute, Brock Purdy, who looked really nice again. $50 waiver bid last year. That could be one of the transactions of the league in recent times. Uh, looks at just as genuine starting QB for the next... Five to ten years in San Fran. What do we think, boys? I'm still laughing at more froth than Theranos. Just just hold my beer whilst I Google Theranos. Wow. <laughs> Where does that come from? It's a, a Rossism. Jesus, I love it. I love your Rossanisms. Um, Brock Purdy looked sensational. And that was not an easy game to go into Pittsburgh. Week one. That defense was strong last year without mm-hmm. TJ Watt, and then they were fully loaded, ready to go, and just got 30 points put on them by the young Brock. Uh, maybe they know a lot more than we do, and shipping Lance was a bit more of a confidence boost for this young guy, and boy, did he show up this week one. And for the guy that plays seven 49ers every week, Ben, you must be pretty <laughs> excited by Purdy's form as well. I'm loving it, mate. I... Uh... He came in late last year, and it was probably like the best string of games that Kittle's ever had. I just decided not to play him in any of them uh, at that time. But no, Ayuk looked sensational, and everyone was getting a, a nice little share. He he likes to he likes to move the ball around, and he likes to use all of his uh, his talent. So I'm mm. liking it. Keep it up, Brocky. Yep, he's going very nicely, and we like to keep it balanced here. So we like to talk a little bit about the uh, both. About both sides. And we mentioned last week with Papa that we think nine first-rounders and really talking up his chances to get land Caleb Williams and really go for that number one spot in the lottery. Well, we spoke about who's got value in his in his team. And we spoke mainly about Justin Fields. But I tell you, there's someone else that has some value for a contender here. And that is Calvin Ridley, who looked unbelievable, unbelievable for Jacksonville and was Trevor Lawrence's main man today. Um, don't worry about Christian Kirk or anyone else say Jones it was all about Calvin Ridley so does he belong on Papa's roster who knows it would not shock me if that's one that's been shipped around I know he's put him on the trade block on sleeper that means sweet FA to me it just means he <laughs> just pisses but... Camo off more than anything else well I just think if a contender wants to inquire about him I think Papa would be open to selling I don't I don't want to put words in his mouth but I know he'd be he'd like me pumping up his value on the pod yeah, and you are certainly pumping him up. Like, have you got an agenda here? I was. I, I reckon I just saw Keeney's bank account tick over as he uh, as he rolled that line out. Oh, oh, I agree. I think he's he looked fantastic today, and and he sort of 
I guess, eliminated any doubt that people had after his long hiatus. It, uh, it, some would argue that Ridley gambled on himself and, uh, yeah. and it paid off today. <laughs> but what, I, what it will signal, I think, is if Papa does pull the trigger and lets him go to a contender, I think you'll find he's going to use the picks. If he keeps him, I think he could rebuild a little quicker and he might picture him into his next chance at a title next year, as early as next year, perhaps. So, no. Very intriguing, mate. Yeah, very intriguing. Also, another, before we move on here, because I think um, Papa's team might not get much of a run this year. So, I just want to have a look at, at a player in Joshua Kelly. I think this bloke, talk about someone playing revenge ball. He's drafted in the uh, 13th round in the startup draft by our resident uh, charger himself, Camo. Gets traded away. Talk about a confidence uh, demoralization here. He gets traded away from the resident charger to Hod. He gets included with Debo Samuel in the second rounder. So I suppose there he's thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good. Then Camo gets him back for just a straight fourth round swap. He's, his confidence is pretty low. Then he gets dropped by the resident charger, gets picked up by Keeney for $0. Not not huge in his confidence. Gets dropped by Keeney, gets picked up again by Keeney, gets dropped by Keeney, and then Papa just cradles him into his lineup and says, come with me, come come to the Punishers. We're rebuilding. We've been old. I need a bit of youth on my side. And he rips out a 15 today just to really stick it up to Keeney and uh, the doubters in this league. I don't think he's sticking it up to anyone but himself. He doesn't want points. Nah. This is great. It's revenge on his own calloused right hand. It's a good point. Hey, just before we move on to the next game, there is one player I wanted to mention here. That was Justin Fields, who has a lot of value right now and an, an intriguing player on Papa's roster because of this. In the words of Scoot, there is a world where his value is really teetering right now. I know it's week one. I don't want to overreact. But if we see three or four more poor performances and Chicago, are, again, like what you spoke about uh, previously, Hod, if Chicago are thinking, well, is this the right man going forward? What, what does that do for Fields? Well, what do we want to happen, boys? This pod is powerful. And our crystal balls <laughs> suggest that if we talk about this bloke negatively, he's going to turn it around. So I suggest... We just shut the fuck up, let him teeter all season and see what Papa has to do at the end of it when they could be in line for Caleb Williams. Yeah, it's, we haven't seen many uh, we haven't seen many hype videos from Justin Fields posted lately, so he just he might be sitting a bit nervously in the background here. Less X videos being posted. Let's move on to the next game, which was Grouse against the Prestige Worldwide, and I. I I really struggle sometimes to understand the percentage values in this. They're giving Prestige Worldwide a 1% chance. And as it currently stands, Grouse, you've got a 42-point lead with uh, Diggs to go, and he's just got Josh Allen. So I suppose still technically possible, but you'd also think that whatever points Allen puts up, Diggs would get some of those. Um, but probably the biggest point talking point here is, Thais' favourite game to play back in the day was uh, Soggy Biscuit, I've uh, been informed. And, and isn't that just appropriate? Because talk about some Soggy Bengals that he had rolling out in his lineup today. Just a Joe Burrow 3.18. He had a Jamar Chase 6.6. Had a T Higgins Zizzles. Oh, my goodness. When you roll out three in 
what you think is going to be a high-powered offense and they just sog it up like that. It's got to make you sick, doesn't it, Keeney? Mm, the old soggy biscuit, that's an interesting reference. You could almost say a little bit of uh, Cleveland Brown Bukaki about the uh, Cincinnati Bengals today. What are your thoughts? Oh! Love a Bukaki. Rhymes with what Stefanski. Think, what I think is... Um, he can have all the soggy Bengals he wants, and he's still going to put up triple figures. So I'm going to spin the narrative here and say we're not going to see this any time again this season. And I know he's going to get the L, but he's still getting pretty solid scores um, all all around the roster there, and he still has tassels tomorrow. That's an exciting game, boys, so I'm looking forward to that one. So you've chalked tassels up to... Over 18 already? You said he's getting um, triple digit. He'd want to, wouldn't he? He's the one seed. Yeah. yeah. One seed's get under 100. Yeah, well, it's not a good start, yeah. um, but I think you're right. Burrow, you mentioned it, Burrow having the entire off-season under injury cloud. It was always going to be tough going for him against a very, very good side in the Brownies, Hod. I, uh, I, I'm sensing some frustration from the man here with the love for the prestige worldwide this year he had a dig at him last week about he's got 300 points to catch up and he's just knocked him off most likely in week one i think he's sitting pretty confidently here yeah he's about as subtle as a sledgehammer the other host of this pod (laughs) what about um what about what about the running back two in Atlanta, boys? Talk to me. <laughs> Bichon. Hey, well, I didn't realize he was uh, he was only going to be used as a receiving back hod when they just had Tyler Algier sitting there as their bulk carry running back. The nice way to ease him in, 10 carries, 56 yards, six targets, caught all of them, 27 and a touchdown. It was a pretty nice touchdown too. He broke oh. a couple of tackles to get in. Lovely. It was very, very sexy. Um yeah, I mean, we're seeing it across the board with most of these rookies. These teams uh, aren't featuring them too heavy to start with. I think Gibbs was a bit the same. Eased them in. Um, all the hype of week one can get uh, the most of these young guys, but that um, that touchdown just shows what this guy can do. That was awesome to watch, and I think the uh, workload will build, yeah. and he's definitely one that can carry it. So it's pretty exciting for the prestige there. Yeah, and all, all jokes aside, like I think, so he's obviously lost two goal line touchdowns. He wasn't really in the goal line packages at all today, which is, yeah, speaks a little bit more for mine to his upside. Mm. Um, he wasn't in ma- many goal line situations, still scores 17. So I think sort of that's... Yeah, if that's them easing him into his, it, Jesus that's Christ. That's his floor. His floor's 12 to 15, I reckon, So and his ceiling's in the 20 to 30 range, so... Nah, I agree. I think uh, only upside for him going forward. So, yeah, and probably our last talking point here is Keeney, You were uh, you were just absolutely struggling for a QB two when it came to the end of last year, and now you've just got a plethora at your disposal. You're starting Baker, just getting a little bit giddy with him throwing touchdowns to Evans, and then you've got Stafford just turning back the clock and scoring a fourteen, and then Mac Jones in his third year. Just, uh, he's getting that confidence. They gave him the extra zap that he needed and he pulled out a 24 this week. Are you, is this just going to be funny, though, that you're going to struggle to now start which the, the correct second quarterback? Maybe. Um, it's a good problem to have. It's The Mac Jones one's 
yeah, it's just interesting to know how much of a disaster Patricia was last year. And he looked pretty good today after a shaky start. Um, obviously put up some yardage and a good game script for him to put up some yardage, but at the same time, he looked pretty good. So that was encouraging. Uh, we'll see how he goes for the rest of the year. But uh, I was a little concerned about him last year, but feeling a little bit better about him now. Who would have thought that uh, putting a defensive coordinator as your offensive coordinator could ever go badly for, for you and your players? Yeah, not a great idea. Amazing, huh? Uh, next game is the Park City Lions sitting there at 99%, taking on the wow. OJ's legal team with a 1% chance to win. And this is where I really struggle with this algorithm. So it's the same percentage chance as uh, the Prestige Worldwide, yet I've only got a 23-point lead with my team done. And Gabe Davis, who has been known to score more than 23 on more than one occasion. In fact, it was a playoff game against the Chiefs where he just ripped out a 48. Now, I know this is different circumstances, but it's not leaving me as comfortable as maybe what you might be feeling, Keeney. Well, I know, and he's, he's in terms of high-range outcomes players, he's he's at the uh, that echelon where he could score two or 30, and he's not the player I'd want to come up against if I'm up by 23, to be honest, but... You should be okay, but I wouldn't say it's 1%, put it that way. But uh, good luck to you tomorrow, mate. Well, I'd like to think that maybe he, he's he got a bit of a chip on his shoulder against uh, Jake for just benching him in the grand final. He just didn't trust that he could get it done. And now Gabe's saying, fuck you. I don't even want to score for you this week, mate. That's actually what that's what worries me just as much, mate, is that he's on Jake's team. So can you imagine the kneeling down, the knee pads required oh, tonight? He, he was disrespectful to the fantasy gods. Jake was, so this is where it's just going to bite him. You've got to be – it's all about karma, Hodden. Well, yeah, no, I can confirm Jake does have some quality knee pads there. It's not usually for the <laughs> fantasy gods, but um, Gabe Davis does love week one. He uh, he can uh, turn it up in the early weeks of the season. Typically starts hot, so we'll, uh, we'll see if the monsoon sticks around in – um, the East Coast tomorrow. That probably is what you want, Ben. Mm-hmm. But where it wasn't a monsoon of points was Thursday night football. And who would have thought we're talking about the arguably the number one quarterback in Dynasty and Mahomes, but without Kelsey boys. Now, Chris Jones, their star defensive tackle, is holding out in Kansas City. And surely Kelsey was standing there on the sidelines going, I might... I might should be doing the same here because his value went right up after that week one loss to the Lions. Now, they shouldn't have lost the game, but um, great story for the Lions to go in there and have a win. But it, Kelsey is one of the most important players to an offense. And I, th- I did hear something that uh, Andy Reid is one of the best um, coaches when given an offseason, given a bye to prepare his team. Kelsey's injury was real late in the piece. It was only a few days before week one, so that would have thrown them out quite a bit. But what are your thoughts, boys? Um, uh, probably go to you, Ben, being the owner. Um, you'd be wrapped. You'd be pretty excited to get him back because there was just a lot of points left on the field by the other receivers in that offense that Kelsey would have mopped up. Yeah, well, I think um, I think the stat was, and Keeney might have shared this with me, that it's the first time Mahomes is has ever not had Kelsey or Tyreek Hill in his uh, in his lineup as a starter. So a lot of uh, firepower missing for him. And, and when Hill sort of got traded and everyone spoke about what's their offense going to do, it just was clear that they were pretty comfortable 
having uh, Kelsey in the middle who makes plays whenever they need it on third down and, and then share it around, you know, with everyone else. So Noah Gray, who uh, he did get elevated onto my active roster there in the uh, on the bench, but didn't get it done with the three catches for 31 yards. And I think that probably speaks to your point, Hod, that I don't think uh, it matters who they're trying to get in there at tight end. It's never going to replicate what Kelsey can do. But I was pretty happy that to read that it was more probably precautionary than anything else they thought. There's no point trying to push him through week one when we can get more out of the season. Yeah, and I mean, the next man up, it's it's a big thing in sport, as we know. And what I did happen to notice in another league of ours is Keeney really believed in the next man up in the TMD. He may have played Noah Gray and Kadarius Tony, uh, <laughs> combining for a measly few points between them. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, once once you get Kelsey back there, that'll be... Another formidable tandem for this year, but um, some someone who wasn't formidable is uh, Najee Harris. Now, I, I love Revan Jacob, so let's just do it for the good old sake of it. But we 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 mentioned at the top that Jake has cashed in early with Lockett. Um, he's very good at maybe getting ahead of the curve and seeking some value in return. But boys, is it too early? to start thinking about this with Najee. Well, I would I would flip it back to you, Hod, and say, is it too late? Ooh. <laughs> it's never too late. I uh, I don't... I Actually, I'll probably throw to you boys on this one. I didn't see too much of it. Is the concern with um, the lovely backup there in Jalen Warren, or is it just the concern around how Najee looks and is travelling? Uh, I think I think it's a combination of both. To be honest, um, he wasn't super explosive from what I saw. And look, I only watch red zone, so it's hard to really get a grasp on how he looked. But there's definitely some a fifty-fifty split, um, if not more, favouring Warren a little bit more than Najee. So, I yeah, mean, the usage factor and the explosiveness, which he's never really had. He's been a yeah, he's, he's been a, a workload man. So. If there's someone taking a bit of workload, then his value is not as not at what it was. He's yeah, he's the sort of Derrick Henry build, isn't he? He's a bulk carry sort of guy to get production. Um, he's never going to do it off a few touches. Warren taking a few of his snaps away, but it was just a game script that didn't work for any running back in Pittsburgh today. I mean, I don't think Warren really ate in too much. He had four carries, and um, Harris had six carries. So clearly, they were just playing catch up. They fell behind really quickly, and those opening few drives from the 49ers was always going to change up just how the Steelers could play the game out. Um, just with Jake's team, though, um, before we move on, I, th- I think probably an interesting one was a player that, you know, on that rookie draft he was just absolutely gushing for in uh, Jordan Addison. And he he balled out a little bit today. And surely Jake was sitting there just looking last night at his lineup thinking – do I play him over someone like Gabe Davis? And I'm sure he probably had it down to absolute time cost as to whether he should put Addison in the lineup or not. And yeah, 14 points just sitting on the bench. It's a nice start from Addison, 61 yards and a touchdown. Well, it is a nice start, but if he had played him, the game would be over <laughs> and then we'd have nothing to be talking about. But um, what I also think, boys, is um, I will utilize the airtime to just speak up one of the uh, dingers here, but it doesn't help Najee being from the Crimson Tide in that running back room, being the plotter that he is when you have the Flash Gibbs running around in Detroit. Um, Very, very different styles, but 
it's uh, it's polar opposites. You're right, Keeney. He, he is a volume back. Um, I think this one's just another one of these week one. Uh, cancel it on the schedule. Game script didn't suit. And uh, I think he'll he'll be just fine if they get that offense going again. But speaking of game script and underwhelming, it wasn't the best one for Lamar. Um, I'm going to just say it off the top. I don't think it's anything to worry about. This game script was always on the cards with Houston having the worst run D, Baltimore having one of the better run offenses in the league. I think this is more just a um, a game script thing. But w- what did you see, Ben? You would have had a keen eye on this one. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I don't think they were ever really in doubt in this game. And if you don't have to do an awful lot, then you just kind of get get the win and, and move on. I don't think they, believe it or not, care about fantasy scores in the NFL. And I think, uh, yeah, Lamar did enough to, to win the game and they did enough on the ground, as you said. It would have been interesting to see that new offense, though. They've got, obviously, the likes of Odell uh, and then Zay Flowers coming in. So a couple of nicer assets for Lamar to throw to. But, uh, yeah, as we said, I think it was just more of a, a running game, get uh, get the win and get out of there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Zay, Zay Flowers looked pretty nice there. He had 10 targets, caught nine of them, 78 yards. It's a pretty nice little welcome in a low sort of passing offense from today, Keeney. Uh, exactly. And yeah, I was just going to also mention, I thought Flowers looked really good. You had Bateman and Odell and Mark Andrews in play. So, yeah. You get that safety blanket back, maybe there's a, a bit more passing and I'm sort of with you. Everything sort of meshed together to suggest it was one to, to throw out. But he could be on the trade table, I've heard. Who, Lamar? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyone. The Alliance. Par- anyone. Anyone's on the trade table if you pay overs. Um, that's my philosophy <laughs> at the Lions. Before we move on to the next game, though, how about uh, Brandon Ayuk? We didn't even give him any love. The bloke had eight targets, caught all of them, 129, two touchdowns. Um, this is my equivalent of putting him on the trade block that everyone else does when their player plays a big game. I just get on a podcast and speak about them to everyone who's listening. You, you seem to imply <laughs> that someone on this podcast, not me, had a go at Ayuk in the offseason. Is that fair to say? Oh, look, I think I think everyone knows the saying that Ayuk is no G-pick. I think that's a pretty well-known um, saying in the league. But let's, uh, would you agree, Hod? Even throw the details in there, why don't you? <laughs> Are you can? Let's move on, shall we? The uh, a bloke that we know for sure is listening to this hot, and that's the San Diego Demons taking on the Humdingers. And as it stands, uh, it's over. Um, the Demons they won by twenty four points, one hundred and two to seventy eight. Not not a world beater by any means from uh, a team that wants to be there at the pointy end, but also pretty underwhelming. Odd from a team that you would hope your list is up and coming. Oh, absolutely. Um, it would have been a lot different had the um, man in this mic had applied the cards a little bit different and utilised some other options on the bench. But, um, yeah, there there was a few shining lights, Ben. I'm, I'm still in the... I'm in the mix, but I'm still probably on the lower side of the um, power rankings, and deservedly so. So we're still going to have these games, but I'll uh, I'll let you run the the agenda here. Well, go Keeney. Give us your thoughts on this matchup. Well, yeah, my th- a bit of a bit of a dour affair in the end. Really, 102 got it done for Camo. 
Um, I don't think Camo's team really fired either. It was a bit of bit of uh, that sort of week, I reckon. It was a strange old fantasy week. But um, with Hod's team here too, we talked about Tua and just the home run ability on any given play with that Miami offense. It is seriously exciting to watch. He puts up 27, has 460 yards passing, um, looks really good. Um, in control, accurate as he is. So a real shining light and a, could be an absolute steal. I know there's a concussion issues and, and concerns, but geez, if he's healthy, he's a, a, a top 10 QB, no problem. Um, my question to you, Hot, is A. Rich, first game for the Colts, looked okay, I thought, um, limited viewing that I saw, but put up from fantasy point of view, put up a 20 now, you've obviously got Dak as well, so you've got three really strong options there. Is that a challenge for you to pick who to start? And are you going to go with the upside of the rushing QBs and the high-powered offense in Miami as the two mainstays? And maybe Dak can just sit on the bench for a bit. Yes, they are. it's it's nice having three options, um, three quality options. I know Dak wasn't of quality today, but we might get to that a little bit later. Um some atrocious conditions in game script there, but it's a good problem to have. I was very keen, didn't have the balls just to roll him out there week one, but I was very keen to see how the young man went. Um, wouldn't have picked 37th um, pass mm. attempts. Mm. That's um, encouraging in the sense that Steichen has given him the keys straight away. I would have thought he'd protect him a little bit like Atlanta did with Ritter, only the 15 attempts, but and then um, let him run the ball a bit more in some design plays. But I thought I haven't gone through the tape as we do um, on every play, but he did. It was encouraging to see 220 passing yards, and he's always going to like. I think that's his floor of 10 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown at any point. Does the uh, does the knee bruise give you any cause for concern? No, no, I, I I was watching it at that time. He came out for one play, which was our fourth down um, last attempt of the game. So he was um, spotted on the sideline, uh, no problems at all. So I don't, unless it blows up, but I don't think uh, there's anything to worry about there. Yep. Um, and just a couple of points on the, the San Diego Demons here. I think looking at his um, his QB room, you know, he's got Wilson, uh, Goff and, and Watson. And for the most part, I think, Pretty accurate in terms of what we predicted with Russell Wilson. It was very much a game management game, high completion rate, um, sort of dink and dunk a little bit. Defense played well, did what he had to do, didn't make any mistakes, put up a 15. I think that's sort of what you're going to get from him this year, and that's probably what what Denver want out of him. Um, Goff, Goff is the other one, similar sort of story, I reckon, except Goff, looked, Goff looks really good in Detroit. Like, he is... He looks much more comfortable. Um, has some really good throws. Missed a couple that could have been touchdowns. He scored a, could have scored a lot more. And and Watson put up a twenty as well. He looked up pretty good in the wet as well. So some some good options there for Camo. I think the biggest um, talking point for Camo out of this week is just Antonio Gibson and the lack of usage there. Um, in a you know the game script was sort of even, but they really did lean on Brian Robinson as that number one uh, bell cow back. He had twenty touches and and Gibson had four. Um, I know he did fumble, but he only had three carries and one catch. So a really light, um, light day for Gibson, who is has for mine got a pretty high range of outcomes. But you'd expect a bit more than that. Yeah, he was he was one of those um, high upside running backs to target because um, he he can have the touchdown upside. 
but also it's more about the pass catching. I think the pass catching will still be there. This was a game script in Washington was up. Uh, I'm not sure how many games they'll be in that position. But the concerning thing is that fumble. Uh, Ron Rivera does not take fumbles kindly. And he's benched him in the past early last year. Uh, fair to say they didn't get along too well. Um, so that's the worry with Gibson. I think if he keeps fumbling the ball, uh, there will be not a lot of trust in that uh, running back at all. Yeah, and he's an easy, easy man to um, predict old Riverboat Ron in how he will approach any given week. He'll probably come out next week and give 30 carries to Antonio Gibson for all we know. Hey, uh, one thing hard I want to just bring up here is just stashed away on your taxi squad. A little bit of puka action today. How was... Uh, how did that get you feeling with a bit Nakua stat lines there of 10 catches for 119 yards? What I'll say, Ben, is uh, never shy away from any puka in a taxi. That's for sure. So um, I was very happy. As Keeney has alluded to a couple of times off air, you're welcome, he reckons. I had to work bloody hard for that 2036 third rounder that you gave me. Um, you have to work hard for I, you, Puka. I do. I do. <laughs> Absolutely. It works hard for me in return. Um, but no, I was, I was always pretty excited about him. Obviously, the Cooper Cup injury helps, throws him into the action um, quicker than probably he would have, but um, they're pretty high on him, and he had a pretty nice little college career going under the radar there. So it's always nice to see the, the young fellas produce as early as this. Mm-hmm. And any more points, Keeney, or did you already cover on? Uh... No, no. Oh, you yeah, already did the QBs. Of course, game. you did. So let's let's finish off with the the last one, and this is the most exciting matchup in uh, comes in the league that is you know the the greatest league in the history of all of sports, as Hod said. But really, it's just playing into the fact that it's just a bunch of shit teams all playing each other, and that is the Jim City Stallions taking on the DFF. And as it currently stands, the Stallions are up by seventeen, but they're done. They're just stranded there on 85, so they're a chance to lock up a win with 85, but just sitting there currently on 68 with Brees Hall and Dalton Kincaid, the uh, new addition. Of course, they were drafted by the DFF because it's the only way he gets players into his actual lineup. Uh, yeah, I just think, boys, uh, there's a bit of juice going into tomorrow, and, and this game is... Absolute time cost. What do you reckon, Hod? It, I mean, what I reckon is it doesn't matter how many points get scored in this division. It's always a talking point amongst you blokes. And um, here we are again. We've got an absolute barnstormer on our hands. We've got the DFF, who it's fair to say does not like Jim. It's, uh, he's not, he's not uh, one to hide that. Uh, thinks he's a lot better at fantasy. Uh, doesn't have much to back it up, but I like the confidence. And... We'll start with the New York Giants here, Benny, your Oof. boys. Um, didn't look very what? good, and we'll, we'll hone in on a very big asset acquired by the Jim City Stallions, Dylan Jones. Uh, was this something to be really concerned about, or are we just going to put it down to the horrible weather and a bit of unluckiness in the start of the game? Look, he didn't certainly look like a player worth a first, a second, and a third round or whatever it was that Jim gave up uh, straight after he got those picks into his account. Uh, 
I'd like to say that it's just a flash in a pan. However, I also think that last year could have very much been an outlier for Daniel Jones's career. This is going back to what he looked like before Dable got there. Just poor ball security, poor decision-making. Um, the weather didn't help him, but I'd like to hope that this is an outlier on the season, but I'm not confident as a Giants fan. And the other thing I think you mentioned offline, Hod, that didn't help him was Dallas's defensive line versus their offensive line got absolutely... Like he, you felt for him, like I think seven sacks um, it was today, this afternoon. Like he just had nowhere to go and no time. So yeah, a few different a few different things working against him, but it, it wasn't great. The, I guess the upside is that um, we only have to play Dallas twice a year, so that's good. <laughs> and Philly. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of upside, boys, the Philadelphia running back room, it's going to be it's an absolute pain in the ass um, all year. But if you can find one out of that room to come out of it as the clear starter, Kenny Gainwell might be the one for Jim. Uh, he started pretty well. 14 carries for 54 yards, and we know he gets the pass, passing work. Um, that was left to be desired last year, though, with Philly. They did they were the um, offense that targeted running backs the least. But what do we think? It, it, you can't start better than this uh, out of the four. Nah, and the good thing about this one was, obviously, Jim's got Kenny Gainwell and uh, the DFS got Jonathan Swift. <laughs> or DeAndre Swift. Uh, and so Gainwell had 14 carries, Swift just the one. Mm. So um, and One, one Rash- more than Rashad Penny. And Penny was a healthy scratch, so <laughs> didn't play. So clearly they're going in with two. At the moment it's those two, and, and Gainwell seems to have all the favours. So um, Jim might have struck a bit of gold here, and as you said, uh, a really valuable asset to own in this, in this offence. DeAndre Jonathan Swift is a really really big head scratcher that mm. Detroit were not shy in getting rid of him the first day of free agency mm-hmm. and now we have him here who many believe when he went to Philly his dynasty value went up going to that to that offense and then here he is featuring one carry and he's always had the pass catching work that's where he made his money in Detroit albeit game script helped um, and the lines weren't as good but one of two receptions for zero yards. Uh, what has happened to this guy? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell whether he's. Um, you hear some some stuff around um, the pass blocking and to other stuff, peripheral stuff, I reckon, with him. But you're right; it is curious because clearly, when he's on the field and has the ball, he's got a lot of talent. You saw flashes in Detroit all the time that he could be a fantasy superstar. There's no doubt about that, and. I agree with you. When he went to Philly, you, you thought, gee whiz, this could be serious uh, think, fantasy implications, but not so far. I think NFL coaches and NFL teams will never speak the absolute truth to the media because they're trained to do otherwise, but uh, I reckon actions speak louder than words. And the way that Detroit were more than happy, as you said, to just ship him off and had no qualms about what they got in return, I think that says a lot. And after one week here... Maybe it's above the shoulders with this guy. Maybe he does think that he's a bit better than what teams are, are sort of giving him credit for, and, and maybe it is all those 1% of little things that he just doesn't want to do. So uh, we might be overreacting, and we love to do that after one week, but uh, boy, does it make a good narrative when it's on the DFS roster. Well, the other clue was they took Jamar Gibbs in the first round when they still had Swift on the roster. Yeah. So that tells you everything you needed to know. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this was a once-heralded running back to own. I think he was a top-five dynasty running back that the DFF let us know every opportunity he got. High draft pick, and now there is not a lot of value there. So are we surprised, boys, though? This is the dead zone football factory for a reason because I will bring up the darling of the preseason here. The Kenny Pickett show. The hype train. The guy with small hands. Ah. Are we we stalling our hype here for the Kenny Pickett train? Because it was against the Niners defense, which is a very, very good one. Or... Are we really that surprised? The DFF is the quarterback whisperer after all. So where do we go with this? I was all about the picket only one week ago. Where do we go? Oh, well, you know, if you stepped foot outside today, I guess you just got a sense with the weather. And the flowers blossom in spring, face Always and forever. <laughs> just settle your horses there on the DFF, boys. He, he knows what he's doing. He traded up because he was fearful that everyone was going to be scrambling to take Kenny Pickett, tried to, tried to then give that pick back to you, Hod, but that's aside. He knew. He knew that this guy was something, and, and he was on absolute fire in the offseason. Didn't matter that he had a, a subpar nine in week one. That's, he's just building, bro. He's, he's getting himself excited, Kenny. Yeah, uh, let's just give him another week, Kenny. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go off on the DFF just yet. But if you, put, if you package the, if you package Pickett, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance together, it's not pretty reading. If this one doesn't work, I still think he'll be alright. But let's just uh, let's just see what happens. Hod, what do you how think? Many, how many weeks do you give the DFF <laughs> to trust the process? <laughs> Oh, uh, him, he, he about 48. four or five years, I reckon, is what he, he's probably banking on. Hey, just on another little side note here that, I mean, talk about a place where QBs go to die. Just Sam Darnold, two carries for negative two yards to rip out a zero, a negative point two <laughs> today. Just, just, to, just to really rub salt in the wounds there. So currently, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Darnold, uh, who he took over Herbert, just in the startup draft, in case anyone was wondering, Brissett, Garoppolo, and Pickett. Oof. Is he going to change his tune? Will he? Will he change his tact if if Pickett doesn't pan out? Are they all what? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Please. Well, all right, boys. <laughs> I'll I'll raise this one to you. The two quarterback whisperers of this league, Stephen Mann, who's one of the smartest men in the world, and the DFF. Which quarterback room would you rather have? Because I'll reel off the Johnny Unitas haircuts. We've got Gino, who we think's all right with a nine. A Rogers is going to be going off tomorrow, so we may be going early. But then, as Jake has pointed to, he's got every bloody quarterback you can think of: Marcus Mariota, Zizza, Philip Walker. I hope it's Philip Zizza. Super <laughs> rush, Philip PJ. Zizza. And Davis Mills, Zizza. And then if we scroll down a bit Go to further, the taxi. The Jetson Bennett, Zizza. <laughs> Bailey Zappe, Zizza. Malik Willis, Zizza. And Will Levis, a scratching. So maybe the DFF isn't the true quarterback whisperer here. Hey, they all, all, do you know what I hear from that? 
is that all of Manny's QBs that you just reeled off there all outscored Sam Darnold this week. So that's the main takeaway here. But, yeah, no, quantity is certainly not proving to be uh, working in Manny's favour right now. Um, but quality's kind of not on the DFF side either. So I don't know where we see it. Just both are kind of in a woeful position. Fortunately, Manny has six of the top ten dynasty wide receivers. Yeah. I don't know if the DFF's got that. It's not apples for apples, but just get off the DFF's back for one little bit, would you? Mate, I'm I'm on hey, board with Pickett. He's, he's my dark horse. I'm uh, I'm all behind the DFF because he's going to tr- change his ways. He's going to listen to this and go, you know what? It's time. I'm going to make some trades and I'm going to just flex my muscles here and you'll see. You'll you'll see that uh, the DFF, he will definitely have the last laugh. Can, can I just say, you know, <laughs> on a serious point, it's why it, it sometimes really hurts you if you don't trade specifically for QB. Because then you're relying on yourself to nail it in the draft every time, and it's bloody hard to do, as we see in the real draft. So if you're not actually like out there in the marketplace trying to find a, you know, a, a QB two type that you can put onto your roster that has value, then you're going to have to try and keep picking them, and and it can happen like this, which is what's happened with the DFF. So I would just like to, um, just point this one out to you, Benny. You're feeling pretty confident about your selection of the DFF. The only way you can feel confident is if we call the segment a white horse, not a dark one, because <laughs> we know the DFF's preferences. <laughs> it just doesn't add up. I don't know where you get get that uh, inspiration or confidence from, but good luck to you. Oh, just uh, Maybe I've been hanging out with a guy for too long. And we do have, we did tease it at the top, we do have a great segment coming up right after this game. But before we get to this segment... I just want to quickly go around the around the room here. What do we think about the plus seventeen for Jim here versus Brees Hall and Dalton Kincaid? I my opinion is it's going to be an absolute nail biter because Dalvin Cook's in there. I don't know if Brees Hall is going to get a huge workload, but he's also capable of ripping off a sixty yard touchdown. Dal- Dalton Kincaid, rookie tight end, hard to predict much there. This could be an absolute nail biter. I'm predicting. I reckon. Uh, I reckon Brees and Dalton are going to have pretty quiet games for three and a half quarters and they might just sneak a little touchdown then a go-ahead touchdown to each other and pip Jim by one. If, yeah, if either of them get a touchdown in that first half, Jim's surely got to be just tightening up that sphincter just a little bit there. I think if Brees didn't have the injury clout and if they didn't get uh, Cook in the off-season, I'd be leaning more towards the DFF. I think that... I don't know. I think that uh, maybe the Jets just a little bit of a sneaky in control in this game, and uh, and maybe take it up to to the Bills and don't need to to rely heavily on old Breesy. So let's move on to our much anticipated uh, segment here, and it's gonna it's gonna be one that I think features every week because we're always gonna have things to bounce off, and this is a segment that we just like to call Angry Jake. <laughs> and every week we are just going to point out, Keeney, we're just going to have a think about what is Jake mad about? What is he mad about this week, Keeney? Well, look, there's a lot that gets under this bloke's collar. There's no doubt about that. We only have to go back to the rookie draft with his thoughts on Will Levis and Michael Mayer, the blocking tight end. Um, 
And I think for the league, if the league has an idea about what Jake might be angry about this week, please feel free to send it through to the podcast host and you might get your uh, thoughts on air. But this week, boys, it's it's about the uh, the power rankings and just the overreacting about where people are sitting in the power rankings. And, and he just he just feels like they're all out of whack and he's not happy. He's not happy at all. And it starts at the bottom, boys. It starts at the bottom. Always does with Jake. Number 12. It does often start there for, for Jake Oss. But Tim Oss at 12 here. And he was not happy, was he, Hod? No, he wasn't. Um, it's kind of uncharacteristic for Jake. He hasn't had a lot of nice things to say about either of the McMahons. But <laughs> in particular, Tim Oss doesn't like the way they go about it, go about their transactions. But he, he was pretty uh, passionate about Tim Oss being on the bottom or, or shouldn't be on the bottom. Uh, you, you called it earlier. It's the most winningest franchise in EDL history. And sure enough, he might be the second highest scoring team in week one, sitting at number 12 in the power rankings. What do we think? Well, to quote Jake, this is what he texted me. He said, pull your heads in. To the, and that was to the league. That wasn't to me personally. But obviously, we went around to everyone in the league and got their thoughts. And he just feels like it was just totally out of line. So that's that's a word of warning to everyone. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think this has got a bit of smokescreen about it because correct me if I'm wrong, Keeney, but I'm pretty sure as we went to everyone individually, Jake may have had Tim at number 12. And now he's just using this as a bit of a smokescreen as the league's fault. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I know he's passionate about um, getting the rankings right, and Timos was not one. What about the other end? Well, uh, he actually reached out and said that we just had 1 and 12 in the wrong position. We should have had the McMahon switched around, and Timos should have really been sitting there at the top. He's the most winningest franchise, and, and Thais is just getting a bit too big for his boots, and, uh, and he didn't deserve to be sitting up there on a pedestal at number one. And, uh, yeah, he, I think he would have been happy if they were just switched around. I think he was pretty happy with the rest of the rankings. I've got nothing more to add. That sounds right <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, I think just like Mayer's musings or whatever the fuck that thing used to be called, Angry Jake, is that's going to stick around for years to come, that segment. But uh, I think if we get a divisional-style drop for that uh for that segment, it might stick around and have a bit more of a shelf life, but it also leans on people uh, just sharing many of Jake's angry experiences because he's an angry man at the best of times, so I'm sure it won't be hard to come by examples. Very, uh, I mean, not really an interesting sort of game to go in terms of fantasy world, but it was a a nice start to the season here, and it's just good to be back with uh, pods coming out on the reg. Games to watch, Red Zone, Scott Hansen, all of the fun getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's exciting to be back, isn't it, Keeney? It is, and you say it won't be a fun game tomorrow, but I'm looking forward to seeing how Gabe Davis goes. I don't know about you. The 23 is a chance, I reckon. And also the 17 for Breesy Hall and the white man, Dalton Kincaid, the first rounder for the DFF. I'm looking forward to tomorrow very, very much. It was a nice pod. Angry Jake will be back. Next week, at least send them through. Hod, finish us off. Angry Jake is here to stay, boys. But also, what we will welcome back is, I did allude to 
the one Stephen Mann. He's one of the smartest men in the whole world. But what I did leave out is he's one of the richest. So if he can reach out to one of his sponsors in his entrepreneurial network, we want to get that back. We need sponsors mm-hmm. for this great segment of uh, Angry Jake. So Stephen, reach out, do the league a favor, get some money in. It uh, requires a bit to keep this blockbuster show going. So looking forward to the next week. And I love the Monday night time slot, boys. Gives us a week in review and also previews what's to come. Podcast over and out.